0: another episode of ferris 64 with me your host Yemi the ferret ferris 64 is the one-stop shop for video game news and occurrences first impressions reviews and we take a look at what's coming soon all in one place that's why they call it the one-stop shop no i did not have to look that up in a dictionary or wherever you look those things up in uh definitely not a thesaurus I do hope that everyone's having a good week here, a good weekend, and if you're not having a good one, I hope things get better. Um, But hey, I mean, you know, what have you guys been playing this week? You know, let me know in the comments below if you're on YouTube. Has it been Diablo? Um, Final Fantasy? Bro-tato? I don't know, let me know. But speaking of which, I will let you know what I've been playing this past week in the first part, or the first, yeah, the first part of this episode, which is what have I been playing this past week. First up on the list is, of course, Bro-tato. This is the Vampire Survivors inspired game. Um, now, I don't know if this is just like a 1.0 release and Brotato has been around for a little while. I remember seeing it on Switch, on like a Nintendo Direct or something like that, or an Indie Direct. And I was like, oh, that's just it's literally just Vampire Survivors except you're a potato or whatever, right? And not exactly. I mean, it shares a lot with Vampire Survivors, but the one thing that Vampire Survivors doesn't have is guns. So, you know, <laughs> L for them. <laughs> I, I do think that Vampire Survivors is a good game in general. You know, it, it's 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 an auto it's an automatic shooter kind of thing. Not shooter, but like an automatic like your and your your character automatically attacks and the enemies just kinda of grow and grow in numbers and you gotta last like thirty minutes or something, twenty minutes or thirty minutes on a on a level to get to the next one. And that's all fine and dandy. You know, you collect chests, you level up you, you collect gems to, you know, gain experience and stuff like that. You constantly get upgrades for your items and your abilities. And Brutato takes that and goes, well, you know, we're going to skim things down a little bit. We're going to make it so that you have, like, a, a really... Uh, comparatively, the Vampire Survivor is a really small area to run around in. It's, you're going to be battling all different kinds of aliens. Big aliens, small aliens, aliens with armor, aliens who shoot... At you, uh, aliens who are really small, aliens who uh, charge at you, aliens who are bosses and they they shoot things like big things, tentacles that come out of the ground and try and swipe at you. It's all there, and you are one lone potato, a brotato if you might, if I may, <laughs> who is there to def- defeat them. So instead of it being an unlimited, like, area to explore, you got a pretty small area, comparatively. Um, And also, yes, you collect, like, little gems to level up as well, so, you know, it also has that to it. Um, But the waves, obviously they get longer as you go, but after each wave, you have a random, like, four items that you can buy if you want, or you can re-roll. And... Uh, what you want to do is you want to collect multiples of each weapon so a normal per, 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 that brotato character they'll hold six weapons and so what you want to do is you, if when when you get two common smgs let's say you can combine them to make a uncommon smg and then you can combine two uncommons to make a rare and then you can combine two you know rare to make an ultra rare you know and that's kind of what you want to do throughout this and of course there's plenty of like quirky abilities you can get you know things like uh, a crown that gives you you know it gives you like uh, you know 15 plus harvesting but minus six speed or whatever you know all these different stats that you need to pay attention to damage output range damage melee damage health regeneration health stealing um you know range in general, how far away you can start shooting enemies, how fast you attack, uh, how how uh, how how far away things need to be for you to pick them up. How many points you get per pickup, you know you, that's the harvesting one. Um, lots of stuff like that. So, you know, you go through the game once with the normal, po- you know, potato. You get the wave 20, you beat the boss. It's all fine and dandy. The, but what, where the game really starts getting fun and interesting is where you start unlocking the new potatoes. Like, there's there's all these different – there's, like – there has to be, like, 30, 50 – I don't even know – 50 potatoes to choose from if you unlock them all. Uh, and, of course, each of them kind of has their own little – You know base stats that you build off of, but some of them are really super unique. Like there's one that you know they you you need to be hit in order to explode, and then you damage all the enemies around you. So you gotta like you gotta like really work on your health regeneration with that character. Or there's one character who can hold 12 weapons at a time, but every like every weapon you get a decrease of five percent damage, which is kind of crazy, you know um there's one character who levels up a bunch of stats every time they level up but um you get like minus five health so you gotta be careful about that you know you gotta do things to increase your health output there's a whole bunch of crazy and weird characters of course i haven't gotten them all i've gotten a good chunk of them um and i I have found some that i do enjoy the use over others but right now i'm just kind of playing through the game kind of messing around with with the different characters i think i've gotten past wave 20 three times now uh, because i have a difficulty level three and i think there's five difficulties levels in total and i'm gonna be honest with you difficulty wave you know level two was hard enough (laughs) um difficulty wave zero and one are like you know child's play but two really starts amping things up and three was like even worse so it's one of those things where it's like oh man (laughs) like Like, it's actually a pretty challenging kind of game. And, of course, when you die, you have to restart. Your run's over, so you got to start over at wave one and build back up. And usually that's when I choose a different potato or I take a little bit of a break. But, I mean, when I play Brotato, it's like an hour or so. You know, I just sit at my computer and I'm just doing a run, you know. And sometimes, you know, I I lose track of time. It's just a very fun game. The soundtrack is bopping, you know. I'll have a video on in the background or a live stream up, you know, of whoever's live at the time. And it'll just be a chill time, you know, playing Brotato, killing aliens and leveling up and restarting and getting back into it. Um, And, you know, I I think with the higher difficulty levels, they needed to make the map a little bit bigger because there's just such a large amount of enemies that just, they spawn, (laughs) you know. And it's one of those things. like I like even if I have like the best weapons and the best attack speed and the most health, I've been getting overwhelmed really easily, especially on difficulty level three. And I think if they expanded the map a little bit, so I can you can kind of train aliens around, it would be a lot better, or maybe not, maybe a little bit easier. You know, maybe not better, but it would be a little bit easier, and I think I would, you know, not be so frustrated when wave 18 comes around and it's taking me 30 minutes to get there because the waves are so long you know but that's besides the point i'm really having a good time with it i think it's really worth playing is it going to be this year's indie darling no i don't think so but it is a fairly good little game time waster game um i don't know if it actually came out this year or if it was or or if it just went into 1.0 this year i don't i don't know all i know is that brotato has been a great time and you should definitely check it out. It's like five bucks when it's not on sale. When it is on sale, it's like three dollars. So definitely check it out. Pick it up. Play it. See if you like it. I think it's on Switch and Steam right now. I don't think it's actually on PlayStation or Xbox, but we'll see if it comes to those in the near future. I've also been playing Dave the Diver. This was a little bit of a hidden, a hidden game. I, I there wasn't there really wasn't a bunch of build up to its release. And when I saw it on Steam, I was like, Dave the Diver what the heck is this? Why is this? Why is there a fat man in a diving outfit on my Steam page? It's like looking in the mirror now. <laughs> um, but uh, this is actually, Dave the Diver is actually a really good time so far. It's a very chill game at times. It's kind of got a roguelite element in there, but also you have a restaurant management as well. So think of it as like a dredge where it's kind of like you know, go out and fish and come back before nighttime or, you know, bad things will start happening. It's kind of like that, except let's say you got back to port and they had you go out again and catch stuff and then come back and then open up a restaurant and serve sushi. <laughs> Think of it like that. It's crazy that in, in one year, you know, obviously there's a there's a ton of, like, gardening and, and slice-of-life games coming out, but it's also pretty interesting that there's been two... Really good indie fishing games with a roguelite, uh, roguelite stuff in there, and management stuff in there, in the same year. Dredge was the la- was the first one, and honestly, I-, I think that Dredge is a bit better than Dave the Diver, but Dave the Diver is a completely different experience. So you start out, and you're you're obviously a diver, and you get hired on to dive in this like ever changing You know, kind of like a pool of water. Um, And essentially it goes down really deep. And there's tons of fish in there. And like I said, it's ever-changing. So every time you go in there, you go in there once in the morning. And you go in there once in the afternoon to collect fish. And then at night, your restaurant opens. You help out at the restaurant by serving food. So there's a sushi chef who makes the people's orders. And you bring them the food. You pour them tea. Stuff like that. And you get to decide what the menu is. You can upgrade food, make it more expensive. You can hire on staff eventually as you keep going. You can upgrade the place to look better. And you also have like this Instagram profile. It's not called Instagram. Or I think it's called Cookstar profile where people post and you can see how people are liking things. You know, uh, So if, if if people are posting more about the, the blue-tailed fish you know you can catch more of those and put them out the next day and people will probably buy those you know it's pretty cool you gotta keep you know yeah you gotta take care and make sure you have enough food for the people and and put the most expensive stuff on the menu so you can make the most money you gotta impress impress food critics and you can start making more and more um high cost dishes as you get you know more fish level up your cook star rating and stuff like that and of course you you have to buy new gear for your Diving equipment to go deeper. Um, there's like multiple storylines going on. Lots of side missions to do while you're in the trench or whatever you want to call it, the pool. Um, you know, from saving dolphins to collecting seashells for a college student, to um, collecting artifacts for an archaeologist, to collecting computer parts for your boss to to fix his the fixes drone. And there's also a guy who's like this really. He's like a he's like a a fedora wearing kind of guy you know but he's a he's got this like everything in this game is super stylish and really well animated when there's a cut scene and it's all kind of like pixel graphics you know pixel art so like when you upgrade a dish for the first time like there's this really nice um almost anime style uh little um what do you call montage of the chef like cooking the dish and getting all you know doing all the ingredients stuff like that really really cool and then like the you know the same thing for the gun guy when you when you upgrade and buy a new gun from him because he he, he he you know there's some there's some fish in the sea that are big and they want to kill you like the shark uh, and a, and the hammerheads and stuff like that. So you know essentially you, you get the gun to help defend yourself against the bigger threats and you use the harpoon gun to fish and, and get uh, get regular fish and also you have like a knife and while you're in the water, you can also find like a, a katana or a sword or a baseball bat to improve your melee. And then you can also find different weapons and stuff. And the more blueprints you get for the weapons by just picking them up, uh, he can actually manufacture the weapons for you. And there's like a little manufacturing anime-esque, you know, style um, animation cutscene that plays. And like I said, it's, it's, it's very, very stylish. There's a lot of layers in this game. You know, last last year, Cult of the Lamb came out. You know, It was a roguelite. It was a, a management game and that was my second favorite game of last year it was it was super stylized it was it was it was just one of the best roguelites i've ever played and dave the diver even though it doesn't reach the heights of cult of the lamb or even dredge for that matter it's still a very calm relaxing satisfying game and yeah you know if you do run out of oxygen you know, it's not like Dave dies, but you lose all your fish that you caught for the day. And if that happens in the afternoon and in the morning, you're kind of screwed for the for the for the nighttime, you know, service. You know, and there's a lot of different layers though. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. There's tons of apps that you download on your phone, and you can you know improve stuff in the game. And it's a very it's a very good game. If you haven't checked it out, Dave the Diver definitely definitely a thumbs up for me right now. Um, like I said, it's it's kind of roguelite ish but it's much more it's much more relaxing and calm game. You're you're pretty much just fishing, you know, using your harpoon gun to fish, and you know, doing some side work during that all. And then also, you know, the whole like management side of things is pretty good too, where you're just serving food, hiring employees, and and, and pouring drinks and and helping out in the kitchen. So it's it's a, it's a very, I would say, it's a it's a very relaxing and calm game. Uh, you shouldn't get angry at it, but I can see where people could get angry at it because of the you know, because it is a, still a roguelite at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, very good. I can't wait to play more of it, see see how it goes. Um and I'll let I'll update you guys if anything new pops up for that, alright? Final Fantasy sixteen, of course I've been playing more of this and uh, you know, I was I was going I was going to you know when I when I when the weekend came around, I was like, Oh man, I'm gonna go into this podcast and I'm gonna say that Final Fantasy sixteen has been boring me and I haven't played too much more because every time I play it's like a really long cutscene. But I finally got to a part where it's pretty much straight gameplay for hours and a few cutscenes here or there, and I gotta say it's pulled me right back in. Um, It was starting to lose me a little bit there for a second just because it was just so much of just watching cutscenes, and I got bored of that, Uh, but this whole section, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's this whole section where you, like, attack this castle in the forest, and it was just such a long but fun process, a really, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a lot that I can't say, and I wish I could say, but I don't want to spoil anything because who knows where everyone's at, but... I will say that that point in the game, I was I was kind of struggling, and then that whole section happened, and I was like, all right, you got me. <laughs> you got me back. You reeled me back in, you know. Um, I will say my complaint still stands that there's just too much going on on the screen. There's a lot of visual mumbo-jumbo. I call it visual garbage, but I feel like that's a little bit too harsh. But it is a lot of visual mumbo-jumbo. A lot, You know, during combat sections, there's numbers flying everywhere. There's lighting effects and particle effects happening constantly. Um, there's like five different things that pop up on the screen to show you how many files you have, what your dog can do. Um, you know, what, what attack and moves you're on moves that you're on your health and your experience points. And, you know, it's all, it's like, okay, all right, all right. I get, I get it. There's a lot going on. And I think there are ways to limit the HUD, which the HUD is too helpful for when you're, you know, in combat. So I'm not going to turn it off anytime soon but I will say it it could have it could have done with a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a less chaotic manner for for the screen. That's 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 all I'll say there. Cutscenes are still long though, so you're going to be spending a lot of time, you know, chilling out watching a cutscene, you know. And a lot of, like I said the, the the animations, the graphics is all incredible in this game and that does make for a really a, a pleasing to the eye cutscene. But when it's just going on and on and then there's, you know, a little tiny gameplay segment and then you go into the next part, it does get a bit, de- you know, draining on me personally because I kind of need more action, action, action. You know, I'm kind of an action kind of guy, which is why I've been playing, you know, Crash Team Rumble, which unfortunately I feel like is is going to start losing players rapidly. I, I mean, I love the game and I think that I and I would give it a thumbs up and say try it out. But I can't tell you to truly buy it for the price that it's at right now, especially because. I feel like the player base is already dwindling too much, <laughs> which is unfortunate because I really enjoyed the game. You know, I re- I was really enjoying it when I was playing it. So what are you going to do? But anyway, final fantasy 16 got it's got me back folks. I thought I was going to come into this a bit more negative, but I am back and positive and really enjoying it. Once again, there you go. And the last new ish game I want to talk about today is the password game. Now, this is kind of like a meme game, right? It, it, it's a browser-based game, and it's kind of like a... It's kind of a troll game, I want to say. You know, it's kind of... Tr- it, they they do a little bit of trolling. So there's a ton of different, like, rules you need to follow for password creation. It starts out pretty basic. Your password needs to be five letters long. And then, you know, rule two is, you know, oh, it needs to have a number. Oh, it needs to have a special character. Oh, all your... And then it, then it gets kind of goofy. Um oh oh you need to, <clears throat> all your numbers and and they need to add up to 25 and then they're like oh now uh, there needs to be at least two roman numerals and later on, your Roman numerals need to add up to 35. And then there's like, oh, now you need to input, you know, um, two elements from the periodic table. And their atomic numbers need to add up to 500, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, and then later on, it, it, it pulls up like Google Maps. And it's like, hey, tell me, you know, in their password, you need to type in what country this is. So you have to f- figure out what country it is. and. You know, later on, there's like, oh, you know, what's the best move in chess uh, for what for these pieces? And that kind of stumped me for quite some time. And then when the time stuff started coming in play, that's what really got me in trouble. So essentially, there's like this egg that hatches inside of your password and you need to feed the bird three worms every minute. And if the worms run out, then the bird dies and you lose entirely. So you can't just like pick up and restart from where you're at um and that's just it's just it's gotten to be a little bit too much and obviously people have made it much farther and some people have actually beaten the game um i know it's much more difficult on phone because you got to be really quick with like putting there's like a fire that happens in your on your password so like a bunch of your letters get deleted by fire and you need to actually backspace to get the to put the fire out which is kind of crazy um so on phone that can really destroy stuff for sure um but yeah, it's just a really goofy game. The password game you can you can search it up on a browser and just kind of check it out. I would suggest browser because the phone version is probably much more difficult to to get around with. But um, yeah, it's it's just a really goofy kind of kind of trolley kind of game. You know, um, I mean, I guess I would recommend just at least checking it out. At least check it out. Get as far as you can, and let me know how far you get. Um, and you can check it out at neilfun password gamecom uh, not .com, but just password-game. Um, you can check it out there. Um, I got stuck at uh, Rule 24 and couldn't continue after that. Um, but let me know how far you get. I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, it's it's pretty fun, though. It's pretty fun. And then for games we've been streaming, as you know, uh, we've been doing the June Plus competition. And essentially, we've extended it into July. So now it's July Plus. Happy July. Happy Canada Day, if you celebrate. And also happy 4th of July. Uh, That's also right around the corner as well. And uh, the most recent game that we finished was Strider, which is a 2D action Metroidvania game. Uh, And right now we're currently playing Darksiders 2, which I'm thinking is going to take about five or so streams. So we'll probably be playing that up until next week, or at least the end of this week, this coming week. Uh, But anyway, uh, Strider. Um, this is actually a pretty fun game, pretty good game. It's a hack and slash Metroidvania. I feel like they didn't dive hard enough into the Metroidvania element because you get like your abilities and hardly like, you know it like most games, like you know, let's take like one of my favorite Metroidvania's Fist, Forge, and Shadow Torch. You know you get you get the ability to open up orange doors and then you have complete completely new sections to go through and new things to discover. And then you get, like, the thing to open up red doors. And then you get the thing to open up blue doors. And then you get, like, a a grappling hook and blah, 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 right? In Strider, you know, you got the thing to open orange doors. And then you immediately got the thing to open red doors. And you immediately got the thing to open purple doors. So it made for a very quick Metroidvania playthrough... There wasn't much exploration to be had other than, like, finding some of the more obscure health and stat upgrades. I got through the game without a full health bar or a full energy bar, so it's definitely not paramount to collect all the stuff in there. But in general, I thought that it was a pretty fun game. You know, take out the Metroidvania element, and it's it probably, probably goes up a score for me just because then I don't, you know, then I'm not comparing it to other Metroidvanias, but with the Metroidvania element in there, it does kind of sink it a little bit lower because I think as a Metroidvania, it's a bit lower, you know, as a hack and slash 2D hack and slash, you know, kind of adventure game, I I would rate it kind of high because it is a really fun hack and slash game. Lots of really interesting boss fights, lots of fun dialogue in there. Um, obviously it's based off like a really old arcade game or old, or, or old game in general. So in the modern times, you know, um, it definitely uh, definitely was a fun time. And if you haven't checked out Strider and you have it on PlayStation Plus, check it out. It's a quick, maybe like a four-hour playthrough, five-hour playthrough-ish. And uh, I would definitely check it out. It's, it's pretty good. So there you go. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next part of the show, which is what was announced at that game show. Anna Perna. Annapurna Showcase. It was like a 30 minute showcase full of announcements and stuff like that. Uh, First up was L'Oreal Lee and the Laser Eyes. Um, This is just another look at the next game coming from the people behind Cyanor Wild Hearts. Um, Obviously, that game was really well received back in the day. Um, Right now, they don't know exactly when the game is going to be coming out, right? It Originally was I guess this game was originally supposed to launch in 2014 or something crazy like that. Um, but essentially, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird game. Uh, it, it's hard to say what exactly it is. But uh, they they had like a flash of a QR code that you can c- kind of combine together. Um, but uh, this is the first time we've seen it in a, in a little bit. So if you want to check out that trailer, all of it's going to be on Annapurna's YouTube channel. Next up was uh, Cocoon, which got a release date for September 29th. This was kind of like a sleeper kind of game from the Summer Games Fest. Essentially, it's a game where um, it's made by the same person who was the lead designer of Inside in Limbo, which is like, really caught my eye. But essentially, in this game, it's like a top-down adventure game in, like, this weird world where you go from orb to orb. Essentially, when you get onto a specific platform, you go out and into or you, like, jump up into another orb or another world inside of an orb. It's hard to explain, but it's really cool. Um, Very, very sci-fi heavy. Lots of cool visuals. Definitely check this out when it comes out. September 29th. Lush Foil Photography Simulator is a camera game. That's pretty much what it is. Uh, Does it look better than... um, Oh God, I'm I'm drawing a blank. How am I how am I how am I drawing a blank on this game? It was one of my favorites from, what was it, twenty twenty one? Oh jeez, Toem. It's probably not gonna be better than Toem, honestly, because it is much more real. It's very realistic. It's obviously made in like um on ultra settings and in Unreal Engine or something like that. Uh, but essentially, you just you pick up your camera, you take pictures. I'm not sure what else you do though. Um, they didn't really show anything other than that. You know, I don't know if there's like a a story or anything like that going along with it. But it seems like a very detailed uh, picture-taking game. So if you want to check this out, uh, I believe this is coming out sometime in 2024, I believe. Uh, well, I guess it's coming soon to PC and Steam. Uh, from the maker of Katamari. And Ketamari Damacy, of course. To a T. Spelled T-O, capital A, capital T. To a T. So this is a game where you play as, like, this kid who is stuck in a T-pose. And they have to work around their life in the T-pose and have, you know, like, their dog help them do stuff. Um, people are trying to be as positive as they can, you know. <laughs> you know, you're the perfect shape. For what? I don't know, flying, you can twirl around real fast and fly and stuff like that. But yeah, it looks very, very fun. It looks very interesting. <clears throat> it looks kind of quirky, kind of funny. There's like a giraffe in the game that talks to you, but then your dog is like normal. So it's kind of weird <laughs> in that way. But I mean, a lot of Katamari games are weird. So you know, it's par for the course. But yeah, I, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a pretty fun adventure game. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be coming out. I'm going to guess it's going to come out next year. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it is. We'll see what it's all about. Um, a game called Flock was shown off. This is a uh, this is a game kind of reminds me of Flower almost, where you kind of glide around an environment and you pick up or you interact with different various animals and they join your flock. And it's like a it's a co op game I suppose where you can kind of chill out with friends if you want to, collecting different animals to bring to your flock and fly around with them it's very minimalistic art art style um but it's it's a pretty pretty chill game it looks like the gameplay demo was marred with the uh you know people pretending to play the game and acting surprised and acting like you know they're doing stuff when they're not actually um which is really annoying and can be cringe at times but if you ignore that the game looks kind of interesting so check out that trailer if you want to flock Ghost Bike. This is coming from the p- same people who did Nid Nidhog? Yeah, Nidhog. Um so this is a much different game than that though. Instead of it being a 2D, you know, sword fighting game, uh, this is a game where you get on a bike and you have a, a little ghost buddy on the front and you just I guess you just travel. Um you're going to ferry the ghost in your bike basket and be in re- and, and race to win the power back to them so they can travel to the afterlife. Um, the ultimate goal is to revive the last of the ghost bikes. So I guess you're going to be riding different ghost bikes as you go through, and essentially winning a race helps them ascend to the afterlife. So much different than Nidhogg, um, and it definitely has a has a in, more interesting visual style than Nidhogg as well. But yeah, Ghost Bike that's coming out. Um, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, 2024 coming out in 2024. Uh, a game called Mundu- Mundone Mundone Mundane, I think maybe. No, it's not. It doesn't have an e at the end. Mundone. Um, this game, uh, I guess, came out in 2021, and they're doing a big update for it. They're re-upping the graphics, putting it on newer platforms and, and PC. Um, so I guess uh, this is just a, you know, it's just a step up from the way that it used to look. It's a very interesting game. It's, you know, it's, it's monochrome, so it's a lot of black and white you know, kind of landscapes. looks like it's, It looks like it's a bit of a horror game as well. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check this out, it's available now on the newer platforms. Looks kind of creepy. A game called Bounty Star is coming around, I believe, next year, they said. Uh, this is a game where you are playing as, like, a, a retired military person who becomes a bounty hunter in a post post apocalyptic world um and so you upgrade and do stuff to your mech by grabbing scraps off of destroyed mechs and f- planting and farming to get upgrades for your character um and yeah i mean it just it looks like a third person action kind of game in a mech suit you know looks kind of cool uh the graphics not my favorite thing in the world but the it works for the game i suppose um, but yeah, if you want to check out that trailer, it looks kind of cool. If you're a fan of mech mech games in a post-apocalyptic world, this might be right up your alley. They announced that Stray is officially coming to Xbox on August 10th. The trailer was pretty cute. You know, it's pretty much the Stray cat um, pushing an Xbox controller off of the table, you know, and it turns on the Xbox. Uh, so it's been a long time coming, about a year or so, and Stray is finally coming to Xbox if you want to check that out. Um, I think it's actually... No, it's not coming to Game Pass, so you do have to still buy it. But, uh, you know, it's a a perfectly fine game if you want to check it out. Uh, I think it got a bit more praise than I was expecting at the end of the day. You know, the Game Awards had awards for it all over the place, or nominations for it. And I was just like, yeah, but is it better than the other indie games that came out this year or last year? I don't think so. But it's still... I mean, it's a good game, you know, all things considered. Great soundtrack. Great graphics, fun story, fun gameplay. So there you go. A game called Thirsty Suitors has gotten a November second release date. Uh, This is a game where it's kind of like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, except your parents are involved in a way. So you have to, you know, the game touts like disappoint your parents and reconcile with your exes. So essentially, I guess uh, it's like a skating game, but it also there's a lot of uh, like uh, mini games in there as well for like cooking and. And stuff like that you essentially fight these five X's, or you can flirt with them i guess it's a very stylish game very interesting game um there it looks like there's a lot going on so if you want to check this out it's come november 2nd to all platforms pretty much storyteller the kind of lackluster game that i talked about earlier this year um that is coming to netflix along with some new scenarios in the mix uh, including new characters like the devil. woo, my favorite. Um, so yeah, just essentially, uh, essentially, um, you know, they just, they just, they just added a bunch of, a bunch of new stuff in there, new scenarios, new, uh, new, uh, characters and stuff like that. Um, so if you want to check that out, it's coming to Netflix. It's, I mean, I guess it's perfectly made for Netflix. It's a very simple game. And finally, for the showcase, the probably the biggest reveal was Blade Runner 2033 Labyrinth, which is actually the first game that Annapurna has developed themselves in, in studio, in-house, I should say. And, um, you know, if you've seen the Blade Runner series, you kind of know what it is. It's a dystopian sci-fi world um, starring Harrison Ford and um, a bunch of other actors and stuff as well. And essentially, uh, in this game, it looks like you're coming back to do a... To solve a detective case after retiring, they they coax you to come back, I suppose. And what you do is you look through this viewfinder, and you see the different crime scenes and stuff like that, investigate yourself through, like, this virtual reality or something like that. Um, So, looks kind of interesting. I'm guessing it's going to kind of be, like, maybe, like, a bit of a, uh, inspired by her story or something like that. Um, But, uh, yeah, it seems like it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, I don't know when this is coming out. I think it's coming out next year or so, I think. Coming to PC and console. Um, but they did not give a release date, so um, that's okay. Yeah, but that that's coming soon. Very good. All right, folks, let's go ahead and move on to the next part of the show, which is what's in the news. Dedelic Entertainment has ceased all development inside of their studio. And now they are focusing solely on publishing. Now, one game should not take down an entire studio, let's be honest. But if there was one game to take down a studio, it was probably going to be Lord of the Rings Gollum. As I stated back when I talked about Gollum, half the game was abysmal. The other half of the game was at least interesting enough to keep me going. The graphics got a little bit better in the second half because you move from the drab world of Mordor to the luscious world of Mirkwood. But the story and the glitches and the frame rate drops and the voice acting and almost everything else really still kept the game down, in my opinion. And what I mentioned a few episodes ago now, I think, I don't remember exactly how many, but I was talking about Gollum again, and I mentioned that they are making another Lord of the Rings game. And what I speculated was that they rushed Gollum out at the end of it. To start fully working on the Lord of the Rings game, the next one in the you know that they that they were making, obviously they probably had loftier goals for it. They got it. They got funding by the German government to work on Gollum, and they were probably you know hoping to get more funding before the, the government realized that the game was bad. I'm guessing. Uh, so essentially, what's happened is, um, I believe the Lord of the Rings license. Um, I guess it co- maybe it cost them too much money. <laughs> so they had to cease development from the studio. Um, and essentially what has happened is all projects internally is, are being shut down. So, you know, the, the new Lord of the Rings game and stuff like that, it's all being shut down. 25 employees were laid off, unfortunately. And Dedalix says that they will support their employees to find, you know, they all, you know, they're going to help them find new work and opportunities within the network. Um, obviously, Dedelic has it's brought us some nice games, you know, there's uh, there's a couple like shadow tactics and memories of old, I suppose. but uh, really, I mean, a lot of the studios that are you know around Dedelic are the ones that have been putting out the better software. And becoming a publisher is gonna cost them less money in the long run, you know, and it's gonna also probably, make people you know let you know if people are going to slowly forget about Gollum, and maybe they'll come back so i don't know if the lord of the rings license was revoked because of how poor the reception of Gollum was it seems likely to me but there has been no confirmation for that and i think it's just really funny that they pushed out this Gollum game it probably should have been canceled back when you know people were kind of worried about it back like three years ago and originally was supposed to release and they released that uh trailer at the um I think it was at the Game Awards, I don't remember exactly, but people were like, wow, this looks bad. And I was like, you know, back then I was like, oh, it's kind of like a watercolor kind of style. I think it could work. And a lot of the stuff that they were kind of showing off was never actually implemented into the game. So that also tells me like, yeah, it was was definitely rush, 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 get this thing out so we can work on the Lord of the Rings project that we actually want to make, you know, or the one that is going to be better, you know, whatever, whatever, you know. So it's a real Game of Thrones type thing where they pushed and put out a crappy product, and then they got pulled off of the next project that they were going to do because they show that they were not competent enough to take on a big IP like this. And honestly, Dedelec should never have had the Lord of the Rings IP in their hands. You know, maybe put Golem, this Gollum game into the hands of a bigger studio, you know, a, 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 maybe not an indie studio, but someone who, you know, a studio that has more development uh people to work on it more time more resources etc maybe this golem game is actually good maybe it could it could still be boring but at least it could run well and maybe the story is a little bit better i don't know but yeah so didelix switching over to, to publishing only no no development in-house which might be a good thing for them for right now until they can maybe uh recover from the whole golem debacle cyberpunk 2077 so i've seen a trend recently where bad games that came out and people completely crapped on people are going you know that game actually wasn't bad you know it actually never was bad uh Redfall is is a big one um you know going back i mean i can't remember exactly all the games that people have mentioned on i've, I've just noticed the things on twitter people are saying like oh you know, this game was never actually bad. It was actually really good. And then there's a whole there's a whole bunch of support for, for them underneath, you know, in, in the replies. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, like, Smoke Force, is another one of those ones where it's like, um, yeah, it's not a bad game. It's actually really good. You just have to kind of trudge past the first, like, 10 hours. And all these bad reviews are because people didn't go past the first 10 hours. And any criticism that was in the replies, they were like, oh, that's your opinion. Like, hmm, I don't know. Is it? I mean, I don't reply to, reply to any of this stuff because I hate Twitter nowadays, but um, a younger me might might throw my hat in there. Not anymore. Anyway, this is all leading to the director uh, or the executive director of CD Projekt Red and, and Cyberpunk 2077 says that the game was never bad and dunking on it had become cool, which is why it got so many negative reviews. Uh, He's quoted as saying that the early reviews were actually very positive, and once they started going negative, it didn't stop. They were very surprised and shocked. Um, Here's the problem, though. Cyberpunk 2077 was quite literally absolutely broken when it launched on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and even though it ran better on the newer consoles, it still was not the best thing ever lots of expectations people let down because they did not deliver on things Um, there's a good video by crowbar cab or whatever his name is um that that kind of goes through all the different uh promises that they made also Beat 'em ups made a really good video about cyberpunk 2077 just all the different things that they they either lied about or just didn't put into the game maybe due to time constraints and stuff like that um in all honesty cyberpunk needed another year in the in the oven you know just another year to just iron out the glitches get it running at a good frame rate on all consoles across all platforms the problem is is that 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 cyberpunk 2077 came out at the worst time because it was between console generations between the ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x and s um And that's the worst time to come out because now people are expecting, you know, that you got a whole bunch of people on the old consoles who want it on the old consoles, and you have a whole bunch of people who want it on the the latest and greatest consoles. Um, And that is obviously going to be a big hurdle for a studio having to put out like five versions of the game. So it is not, I mean, is, did it become quote unquote cool to dunk on Cyberpunk? I mean, I know that there's bandwagoning that happens all the time. People don't even play games and criticize them. You know, it, it happens a lot, for better or for worse, at times. You know, there's a lot of people who dunked on, you know, Scarlet and Violet. They never played it. I never played it personally. But you see all the videos of the glitches and how bad the game, like the graphics look and stuff like that, and you're like, oh. And then you, and then a lot of people, like me personally, I wouldn't go online and start, you know, talking about it like I've played it. You know, I like. I wouldn't, I'm not one of those people. Like, if, if I look at a game and I go, wow, that kind of looks bad, I'm not going to go out on Twitter and say, hey, this game looks bad, and then have a mob of people gang up on me, you know, or go onto a popular post and say that. Uh, maybe a lot of people just like the attention. I don't know. But a lot of people, they don't actually play games, and then they criticize it, which is which is bandwagoning, essentially. Or, you know, there's a lot of people who bandwagon the opposite way, positively, you know? Um, you, you see that with Madden all the time. Um, you know, people who just enjoy football, go, oh, but this is a great game. It's a great game. And you you, you look at it and go, objectively, this is not good. <laughs> like, objectively. Um, it's not my opinion. It's an objective statement here, you know. Um, but for games like Cyberpunk 2077, I mean, this this was one of the biggest games of the PS4 era across all platforms. A lot of people bought it themselves, tried to play it. It didn't run. It crashed. It, uh, it, it ran at a poor frame rate. Uh, you know, a lot of people were, you know, expecting you know this the the world of this game and i think that's where that's where things really truly fell apart it wasn't because people were bandwagoning; it was because people's expectations were so high and when they put in the game you know it just it was it was kind of crappy you know and i personally i bought it the day it came out i played like an hour and then i didn't play it again until on stream like a couple years like maybe a year or two later now it was it was because i think uh I think we finished it last year. So, yeah, it was like two years later. You know, they've, they've done multiple updates. You know, there's, there was a relaunch on PlayStation. They had to take it down for a little while and relaunch it. And now with the Phantom Liberty expansion coming out, it's actually quite... It actually has a positive rating now on across the board. So they have built this game back up from the ground, from 0 to 100, right? And you, you can't say that about a lot of games. You know, No Man's Sky, Cyberpunk, these are two examples of games that have had an abysmal launch but have kept up with the updates and they've made the games better. And for these, you know, obviously this person, I don't know, maybe they're just speaking out of their ass. I don't know. Them to come out and say this kind of discredits all the work that they put into the game. And it's it's easy the to, to, to go, oh, it was always good. It's much more difficult to admit that something was bad when it came out and you've improved it. It's much more difficult for some reason for these developers to do that. You know, um, there were even even when No Man's Sky was at its worst. You know, the developers were kind of in denial for a little bit before they started, you know, working on it and listening to player feedback. And the same thing happened with Cyberpunk, where the game came out and <laughs> I I I don't think that they believed that it was bad as it was, but you know, they started working on it and now it's better now. And, and and for the for this guy to come out and, and say something like this in a public forum, doesn't look too good on CG Project Red. Uh, but what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Um, I don't think the game. I I don't think at launch that the you know on, especially on like PS5 and Xbox Series X, I don't think it was it was bad. I think it was at least playable and it was actually probably good. You know, but it's all the you know more people had the you know PS4 and Xbox One versions and PC versions. And that was where the main stuff came from. I remember, I think it was a Watch Mojo video or something like that. Some some top 10, you know, I I watched the top 10 best and top 10 worst. And they put Cyberpunk 2077 on the top of the worst and on the top of the best list for that year. And I'm like, you can't, you can't eat, you can't, you can't do that. (laughs) So I think they updated and specified, like it's the PS4 version that's the worst, the PS5 version that's the best. Would I put this game as my game of the year? The game, the year it came out no but it might have made the top 10 you know if it was in working condition that year maybe i don't know the problem is that the game came out also like at the end of the year in like december so it was kind of in one of those weird spots where it's not going to get recognized for any awards because it's too late in the year and it's you know it's too you know and, and people are gonna forget about it because it's too early in the year you know whatever i hate i hate i, do, I don't like it when big games release in december that's the it happen with Callisto protocol and I, I I made a bet back uh, when the Game Awards was 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 doing their thing. I made a bet like, hey, you know, Kalista Protocol has groundbreaking breaking visuals and great audio design. That's the one thing that those are the two things that Kalista Protocol has going for it. It's not even gonna show up at the next Game Awards. And uh, I'm reinforcing that right now. I bet you, I bet you, I bet you a playthrough of the new Baby Shark game, <laughs> which I'll talk about later, that Kalista Protocol will not show up at all even though it probably deserves at least a nod for graphics, at least. Anyway, let's go over to another tone-deaf CEO. Microsoft CEO isn't a fan of console exclusives, and he publicly blamed Sony. Uh, In a, uh, I guess, an interview with The Verge, he's quoted as saying, if it was up to me, I would love to get rid of the entire exclusives on consoles. But that's not for me to define, especially as a, a low share player in the console market. The dominant player there, Sony, has defined market competition using exclusives. So that's the world we live in. I have no love for that world. Fuck you. This guy's saying that Sony started this whole the whole console exclusive shit? No, there's been console exclusives dating back all the way to the fucking Atari. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And Microsoft, your hands are not are not cleaning this whole thing. Remember when Halo came out, Combat Evolved and you didn't put it on Mac? Huh, that sounds like a that sounds like an exclusive to me. (laughs) God damn. And Nintendo Nintendo's console is completely like all pretty much all of Nintendo's AAA games, if not all of them. Are console exclusives to the Switch and Nintendo products? Where where's where's the where's the shade at them? No, it's, they're just singling out Sony here. Sony, who has put out their games on PC now, <laughs> which they never would do in the past. They've been putting their games out on PC. But here's Microsoft going, oh, always, oh, always be, oh, the the exclusives market, it's such a bad thing for us, we're such a low-share player in the console market, oh, oh, please, please, stop putting out these really good console exclusives, Sony, and Nintendo's over here in the background, like, Tears of the Kingdom, hello, Mario Odyssey, hello, every single Pokemon game, hello. <laughs> WarioWare, fucking Pikmin, <laughs> Metroid, <laughs> you know, Donkey Kong, Tropical Freeze. Um, Wii Sports, <laughs> you know, like all these games that are legitimately console exclusive dating all the way back to like some of the first fucking consoles, you know? And yet this guy, this tone-deaf CEO says that Sony is the blame. <laughs> Sony's the problem. They're doing exclusives. It's Sony. And then they're joining right into it, you know. Halo Infinite was exclusive to Xbox. Uh, Starfield's going to be exclusive to Xbox and PC, but PC is, you know, it's a Microsoft thing, so it's not it's it's, it's still in 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 house, you know. Uh, they, they said that The Elder Scrolls VI is going to be exclusive, you know? Um, there's a whole bunch of games that are exclusive to Microsoft now. The problem is, is that games like Redfall and, you know, Xbox in-house games like Planet of Lana, like, yeah, Planet of Lana is good. I, I already talked about that. But they're not system sellers. No one's buying an Xbox for Redfall, you know? People will be buying an Xbox for Starfield. I can guarantee that. But now you're raising the prices on an Xbox and stuff like that, so it's like whatever. But anyway, you know, they, they have not been they have not been selling console sellers, you know. Forza isn't a console seller, you know. I, I don't think Gears Gears 5 was, was a console seller. I, I bought an Xbox for Gears 4 and that stunk, so I didn't buy a console for X for Gears 5. And by that time they put it on PC. I've already told this story, but anyway. <laughs> so you know, this all leads into the next article here, which is Canada has actually joined the U.K. and U.S. questioning Microsoft Activision's Blizzard buyout. Um, Essentially, uh, they... Um, dredged up all kinds of stories Microsoft did about the the budget of Sony's games and how Microsoft had planned the purchase Square Enix back in the day, but didn't have enough money and and blah blah blah. You know Microsoft playing the pity card because that's what they gotta do in order to get this thing to go through. And now Canada has said has declared dis, uh, disapproval of the merger as well, as reported by Game Developer, which is I guess a, a news source. The con- the Canada C- Competition Bureau has reacted to the memorandum from Microsoft that stated every single worldwide regulator excluding the FTC and the UK's CMA approved the acquisition the factual inaccuracy of the statement have been called out by the Canadian uh, by a Canadian lawyer named Jonathan Bitran. According to him, the CCB made concerns about the deal known back in May. Although it hasn't taken measures as far as the UK and USA yet, this, dis- this its disapproval of the merger is another blow to Microsoft and Activision and will likely cause a, a, a lot more headaches for them in the future. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Who says that money can't buy you everything? Well, they never talked to Microsoft here. Look, at the beginning of this whole Activision Blizzard thing, I was very excited to see what the Microsoft could do. But after Redfall... <laughs> and... I mean, we'll have to see how Starfall comes out. Um, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like, honestly, I want to say fuck it and say just, just block it and have Activision Blizzard stay themselves, you know? Shitty leaders and CEOs and all. But... You know, when Microsoft talks about the restructuring and how they want to bring series back like Crash Bandicoot and Guitar Hero and stuff like that, you get excited and you want that stuff to happen because those are the things that a lot of players want. They want a new Guitar Hero and new controllers. They want a Crash Bandicoot game, you know, they something more than Crash Team Rumble and, you know, put those put the teams that are working on Warzone back on the stuff that they were good at doing, you know. And Microsoft has made good games in the past with with the studios that they own, you know. Um, but the problem is is that I really, I just don't see. I just don't. I just really don't trust Microsoft anymore at this point. And now that all this stuff is coming up during these whole, all these trials and stuff, and maybe not trials, but hearings, um, it just kind of makes them look even worse at this point. Especially with the CEO. Co- I mean, obviously the CEO doesn't know. You know, he's just he's just blunt, he's just he's just talking. You know. But that's the thing, though, like it kind of looks it makes them look extra bad with all the stuff that they're that they're doing, you know, like they Microsoft seems to forget that Nintendo still own like they are still the top selling co- uh, console, the switch, you know, even even with the PS5's numbers and the Xbox Series X's numbers that the switch is still top dog. They it, they pretty much have an entire library based on exclusives, you know you buy a switch not just because it's portable and it's it's a it's a pretty good console you know you buy it for the mario games the pokemon games the zelda games the metroid games the pikmin games the you know insert nintendo property here you know And you can say the same thing about PlayStation. You buy it for God of War. You buy it for Horizon. You buy it for uh, Sackboy, for whatever reason. (laughs) You know, you you buy it for Ratchet & Clank. You know, you buy it for the games that are coming in the future, like Marvel's Spider-Man 2, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Microsoft doesn't have that. They don't have that, to me personally. What do they have? Halo Infinite? Pretty lackluster game. I know it made my top 15, but I reconsidered that recently. After replaying it, I I, I just I I just don't think that it should have been there, you know, and anything else that Microsoft has, you know, it it, it can all be played on PC on Game Pass. So the problem occurs, like I can just play most of these games on my PC. I can just buy a Series S, which is much less than a Series X, and just use that as a Game Pass machine, not even worry about it, you know, nothing in nothing specific except for Xbox Game Pass has made me buy an Xbox game console. There was not one single game that I said, gotta get that for Xbox, right? And like I said before, Starfield is like the only game, Elder Scrolls is like the only game right now that I would say, yeah, I bet people are gonna buy consoles for these games, you know, especially if they don't have a high-end PC, you know? So let me know what you think down in the comments below or, of course, in the Discord. Shifting gears, multiverses. Uh, they announced, I think, earlier in the year that they were going to be shutting down the game and taking it offline while they reworked some things. And obviously, Multiverses was in beta mode uh, back when it first released. And, and and Multiverses was a really fun fighting game. I I played around with it, you know, a, 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 a bunch. I thought it was, in general, a, a pretty good Smash clone, all things considered. Lots of fun characters in there, voice acting, all the whole, whole nine yards. So um, it's officially been taken down from storefronts and the servers have been officially taken offline on the 25th of june if you still have the game installed on your console or your pc you can do the bare minimum here you can you can literally play like practice mode and that's it um so uh they they said it's going to return sometime in early 2024 um they are going to feature a widespread uh you know they're going to feature new characters a new plan for the game's grand return probably a new season you know um, so as of right now, the game is kind of completely dead until it'll be revived in 2024. So, uh, Alan Wake 1, and remastered, I guess you could say. But Alan, the original Alan Wake starts off with a quote from Stephen King saying, um, Nightmares exist outside of logic, and there's little fun to be had in explanations. They're anti-th- ant- antithetical to the poetry of fear. And um, actually, the studio behind Alan Wake had to actually purchase this quote from Stephen King himself in a report from uh, by Eurogamer talking to Remedy's boss, Sam Lake. He says that they really, really desperately wanted to open the game with a quote from the horror goat. And the quote in question comes from an early 2008 Entertainment Weekly article penned by Stephen King himself lamenting the inability of film studios to adapt the medium to, for a mass audience. So when contacted to ask if they could use it, a lot of times you have to pay like a royalty fee or something like that, uh, Stephen King came back and said, I'll give it to you for a dollar. So they, they made the exchange and, the, uh, and the, uh, the quote was put into the opening credits or the opening monologue of the game. And... Um, you know, obviously, Stephen King is a very successful author. 400 million books sold worldwide. He's been the author of many, 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 many books. So it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. He only wanted a dollar for this, but it, it was very generous of him. I mean, obviously, Remedy back then was much more of, an, of a... I mean, they're, they're still an indie developer, sure, but, you know, they were much less well-known, you know. I mean, I think Alan Wake was their first game, actually. So um, very nice of him to do that, and a very, a very touching story. I'm actually about to cry. Limited Run Games is having a showcase featuring 20-plus new digital and physical announcements. And this will this will air on the 21st... I'm sorry, the 12th of July at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, um, I think that'll be a pretty cool one. A lot of times these... Uh, These announcements uh, have uh, collector's editions in them of old games. Um, People are speculating that the Quake 2 remastered is going to be coming uh, from limited run games. So maybe that'll be announced ahead of or, you know, sometime around QuakeCon. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's it's probably going to be a pretty fun time. We'll see what they announce. Um, It's probably not going to be anything new, so don't get too excited for new stuff. But a lot of what they announce is, you know, they, they... uh, what limited run games do is they take indie games that didn't have a physical release or don't have a physical release and they um, they do physical releases for them in collector's editions and stuff like that and help out the indie studios, which is really nice of them. So if you want to check that out, like I said, July 12th uh, at a 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific, if you want to check that out. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag is getting a remake. That's right. It's early in development right now. Uh, They recently just uh, talked to Kotaku about it. Two unnamed sources uh, talked about the Black Flag Remake. Um, it's worth noting that the project is still very early on, so there's really not much that we actually know or not much that's been confirmed, so don't go expecting Ubisoft to show it off anytime soon. But essentially, it's speculated that Ubisoft Singapore, who was the main studio behind uh, the original development of the game and also the new Skull and Bones game that's coming out, they're heavily involved in this remake, it is a rumored remake. Um, which I guess you know definitely would make sense they had they, like I said they had a major role in developing the original uh, game with the ocean technology and the dynamic wave animations and boat bobbing physics so it'll be interesting to see how the game will be remade uh, they said that they were opening they were they were um, doing more uh, what, what, what was the exact quote here hold on uh, they said that the uh, they are doing an experiment an expansion on in on the open world rpg uh, an emphasis on ship-to-ship combat of course um so it's like yeah but the original game had an emphasis on boat combat you know the original game was was a bit of an rpg you know i guess not really though it was more of a gear system you know upgrading your weapons and stuff like that so to me, it seems like they're going to be bringing it to the more modern day Assassin's Creed games with the RPG elements, like numbers over the enemies' heads and stuff like that, which I don't like entirely. You know, I'll have to see how I find it in Mirage, you know, but, um, as long as you can still one hit stealth, kill enemies with the running sword animation, I'll be fine. And as long as they don't screw up the ship combat too much, um, we'll see how skull and bones turns out. But, uh, yeah, like I said, this is this is a bit of, this is a heavy rumor, so you know don't you know don't don't take it too seriously at the moment until we actually know or see something about this. But um, in general, like Assassin's Creed Black Flag is already pretty widely available, you know through backwards compatibility, re-releases, you know PC port, etc. So I don't need I don't really know if we need a remake of this game. Like in like I feel like they should remake the first game if anything, flesh that out more you know, because essentially what the first game is, is it's a tech demo, you know, so flesh that game out a bit more, give it a bit more story, give it a bit more personality, maybe then I'll be more on board, but a remake of Black Flag, my favorite Assassin's Creed game at this moment, well, no, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is still my favorite, but a very high up, highly regarded game for me personally, yeah, I don't know if we actually need that, you know, Um, but it'll probably make bank, so that's probably all they really, truly care about. (laughs) Okay, uh, Everybody 1-2 Switch recently came out. And, um, you know, because you can use a phone to play with, you know, streamers and stuff like that, uh, a lot of people have been, uh, been kind of concerned about the pictures that people are using in the game. So if you play on the Switch itself, there are custom-made avatars that you choose from for each person, right? But kind of like Jackbox uh you, anyone can connect with a phone or I believe a computer as well uh but mostly phone so what they can do is they actually make their own avatars they can use any picture from their camera roll so if you have a photo of your gaping asshole or something, <laughs> you can put that as your icon and join a stream and have you know and if you get in the top three you know, one of the top three, your avatar will show and everyone will see your gaping asshole okay. So there is no form of filtering in place right now to, to take down or block offensive imagery. So someone could have a, you know, a swastika. Like I said, anything pornographic they could have, and if that shows up on Twitch or on YouTube or on whatever, not Kick, but you know whatever, um, you can get in trouble for that. So now people who are streaming the game, um, they have to actually physically go through and look at everyone's avatars before starting up. Um, there are nine ninety nine players can connect though. If you are playing with uh, with other switches, only eight people can play at a time. But when you are going online, now over ninety nine players uh, can uh, upload their own photos and play. So, uh, yeah, Nintendo definitely, maybe not Nintendo, but whoever developed Everybody went to Switch, and you know, I know it was developed by Nintendo, but who, whoever was in charge of that. Truly, truly, did not know that people would use the use their the the this technology for such egregious things. You know, it, it's all fun and games until someone's erect penis shows up on stream, and uh, you're banned for a day. <laughs> More Nintendo news: Nintendo has retired the Golf War Game Boy, apparently. Um, so in the um, I think it's in uh, Nintendo, New York, New York City, Nintendo uh, shop, New York City, the New York City location on display was the damaged Gulf War Game Boy, which was um, essentially fire bombed and melted, but still ran. And um, the medic who was, you know, who had the Game Boy in his barracks um, brought it home with him, and they've been showing it off at the New York City Nintendo store. Uh, for a very, very long time. So apparently, the Game Boy has been retired from active duty. Um, one, a person on Twitter asked one of the New York ins- employees about it after not seeing it on display for a while, and they informed him that the famous handheld had been returned to Nintendo's headquarters in in Redmond, Washington. So it's possible that's going to be put into like that museum that they have there for all the, you know, all the different consoles and stuff like that. It's possible that that's what they're doing. Um, it's, it still plays Tetris. I believe Tetris has kind of melted into the game or or into the Game Boy or something like that. Um, uh, but here's uh, some background on it, if you're interested. Uh, the console originally belonged to Dr. Stephen Scoggins, who was a medic that was deployed during Operation Desert Storm between 1990 and 1991. While the front of the Game Boy was completely burnt during the Gulf War... It could still turn on. After returning from the war, the Game Boy unit was displayed at the Nintendo New York City store as a testament of the system's durability. Nintendo gave Dr. Scoggins a replacement Game Boy as a special Desert Storm courtesy. Um, So yeah, there you go. Um, Yeah, I I, I do hope that they put it into a museum. I really do. I I really do. Because if they just kind of like... I really hope it just doesn't end up in the dumpster at Nintendo headquarters. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And finally, for the news section today, Mario Bros. Oreos. Let's go. Limited edition Mario Bros. Oreos are now available in store. Um, it, it's, it's yeah, it's it's pretty much just Oreo with uh, different characters' faces on them. Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Toad, uh, I believe uh, Power Star, Bowser, um, but no Peach. I, I believe if you collect them all, you got to go onto the Oreo website and and rescue peach or something like that. Um, also a blooper, a spiny and a power mushroom are on the faces of the morals as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for these in stores. Um, you know, what Where you, wherever you go, Walmart, Target, I don't know, wherever, <laughs> uh, keep an eye out for these. Um, Oreo is uh, one of the best cookies in the world, uh, especially when it's dunked in, uh, milk. Uh, so if you want to check it out, uh, make sure you buy one. And if you, if you store it, it might be worth millions one day but probably not. All right, uh, let's move on to the next part or the final part, which is what's coming soon. All right, first up, Scorn, which was a Xbox exclusive, is now coming over to PlayStation 5. Um, So this is following the uh, teaser from the developer Ebb Software. They have finally confirmed that Scorn will be ported over the PS5 later this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that, like, graphically, it was really impressive, but gameplay-wise, it was super unintuitive and annoying. It was more Souls-like than I was expecting, because essentially you have, like, a healing flask, (laughs) essentially, um, and you fight, like, these enemies that just are so tough, and I just, I really fell out of it really quickly. Um, but that's not to say that you might not enjoy, that you might enjoy, you know, you, you could enjoy this, um, for $40, there is a deluxe edition coming. Uh, I believe it's also coming to Xbox as well. So you get the game, a steelbook, a digital art book, and a digital soundtrack as well. So, um, yeah, if you want to check out Scorn on the PS5, that is coming soon. No official release date yet, but, uh, you can, you can probably guess it's going to come around, uh, before Halloween or something like that, you know? Speaking of spooky games, Dying Light 2 is getting a, a, a big update called Good Night Good Luck, which is the pretty much the slogan from the first game, um, which you know Greedy Wolfs and I meme to oblivion. Essentially what this update is, is it's given a bit of an overhaul to the nighttime stuff. You can make nights darker with with shaders and make the graphics look better during the day with other shaders. Uh, the number of infected volatiles are more prevalent, so there's much more of them. They also said that they, uh, uh, they, they improved the parkour to make it easier to um, uh, control yourself in the air and stuff like that. Better physics for parkour. I did not see a stamina bar during the parkour section. Now, they didn't really do much climbing, but I will say that if there is no stamina bar in this I may just check it out again. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I have to confirm that. I'm just saying. Obviously, there's a lot more improvements, like uh, better momentum control, uh, Haran night shading, which I guess is the first game, and uh, there's more rewards and stuff like that. Maybe uh, there's some new um, there's some new like player created maps as well, which is kind of crazy. Using the in game community map and uh, map editor. Um, so, yeah, seems like it's a pretty beefy update, probably not enough to get me back into it, but, like I said, if they take out the stupid stamina system, which completely ruins the experience, maybe I'll check it out again. We'll see. Wild Card Football is an arcade football game coming to PS5, PS4, Xbox, etc., um, essentially, this is a American football game, so don't th- don't think of it as footy, okay? Uh, but this is actually tied to the, NF- the to, to the Madden NFL franchise, um, and uh, it, it takes after the NFL Blitz series, and of course, backyard football kind of reminds me of too. This is actually developed by Saber Interactive. Um, so Wildcard Football is a totally new, officially licensed arcade football game with a roster of hundreds of pros, including former San Francisco's 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick, who was actually featured on the cover and in the announcement trailer, which is kind of crazy. The guy hasn't played uh, an actual game of football in quite some time. Um, but, I mean, that's a pretty controversial figure also to put. I mean, controversial, quote-unquote. You know, I, I don't think what he did was that bad. Uh, you know, That's just me. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a controversial figure to put on the on the cover, especially when you have a whole slew of other people in this game. In the trailer, they mostly just showed off Colin Kaepernick and a few receivers, um, but they have confirmed that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, um, Josh, Josh Allen, uh, looks like Russell Wilson, um, and uh, Lamar Jackson are also in the game, along with a bunch of other players as well who will be featured. Uh, the game is very arcade-based, so you get power-ups, you can push through people. There's UFOs that come around. There's bumpers that you can run into. Fumbles galore. Uh, they set out to create a fast-paced and fun experience that's pure adrenaline. Wild Card Football does just that by putting you in the cleats of your favorite pl- players and ratcheting up with an- the intensity with some awesome new gameplay elements. You play seven-on-seven football in this kind of crazy-looking field. Uh, kind of reminds me of that... Uh, uh, There's this, like orc football game that was much more bloody but you know whatever um so this game's going to come out on the 10th of october for all the different consoles and um yeah seems like uh seems like it's going to be kind of it's it's definitely uh it's definitely something different than the simulation football of madden so i i just might check this out when it comes around avatar the last airbender quest for balance is coming out in 2023 no official release date yet essentially you play as Ong and you go through, or Aang, and you go through the, the entire run of the show, essentially. Um, there are nine playable characters in total, so there's Aang, Katara, Toph, Zuko. You'll be able to play through the game solo or in local or online co-op with other players as well. Um, I will say the graphics not really that great, but you know, trying to go off of the show, I guess you know, they look fine. I'm not sure exactly what this game is going to be like, if it's going to be like a top-down you know, beat em up kind of game or whatever. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh you know, for fans of of the last airbender, I'm a fan of that game. or not that game, uh show. Uh this might be something you might want to look into. Um so there you go. Uh Avatar the Last Airbender Quest for Balance coming in 2023. Another game coming in 2023 is the Grinch Christmas Adventures. He's feeling festive on PS4, PS5, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and Steam. And this is coming October 13th, way before Christmas, so this just adds another game into the mix in a very packed month. They did not show any gameplay yet, but they did confirm that it is a festive platformer for the whole family. You have to be sneaky to steal all the presents in Whoville. And thankfully, the Grinch has some wonderful, awful ideas, like a stealthy Santa costume, a candy cane lasso, and a speedy snowboard to take on the Christmas-themed opticals in snowy locations. Um, so, yeah, hopefully this will be better than the PS1 era game. I'd have, i, I have it on my shelf. I had, I want to replay it. Um, I remember, be, I remember being, it being kind of janky. I also only played the demo, I believe, because, because yeah, there was a demo on the DVD of the, uh, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. So, uh, I played, like, the demo, which is, like, 30 minutes of gameplay or something like that. Um, so this might be better. We'll have to wait and see, though. We don't really know what it is. I'm guessing it's going to be, like, a 3D platformer. Uh, collect-a-thon. So, we'll have to wait and see. It's being developed by um, OG Entertainment? Is that is that what they're called? I can't really tell. I think it's OG Entertainment. Anyway, they, they, it should be fine. I don't know. Speaking of... Uh, <laughs> speaking of games coming out this year, I have two more to talk about. The one is Baby Shark Sing and Swim Party. Coming soon. I mentioned this a little earlier because it's a little meme, but uh, essentially, uh, this is a rhythm-based game where you play as one of the several sharks and you dance along by pressing buttons. Um, it looks pretty slow and monotonous, but uh, you also collect stars while adventuring to the next area, meet characters from the show, and and whatnot. Um, they, I, 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 you know, I've never seen the show. I, I've not really looked into it. Tell me if I'm wrong, but is the Baby Shark song the only song that happens in the whole show? Baby Shark, doo 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 Because that is literally the only song that played during this entire trailer. It's the only song I ever hear. Are they not creative enough to make more songs for these sharks? Like, come on. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is coming later this year on the 15th of September. So uh, there you go. Very, very, uh, very interesting, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, very, very kid friendly, of course. Kid friendly, you know. More is it more kid friendly than Peppa Pig? Um, maybe it, it might be even more basic than that. We'll see. Switching gears though, um, Fort Solis officially has a release a release date now of August twenty second. This is the kind of like Dead Space beats, bring us, deliver us the moon kind of game where. Um, the main character is voiced by the one and only Troy Baker, of course. Roger Clark also voices a character opposite of Troy Baker. Um, so there you go. Um, but yeah, essentially this is like a, this is like another one of those Dead Space type games. Um, they didn't really show off too much gameplay, but the atmosphere looks really good in this game. Um, they didn't really show off much, but uh, I, I like what I saw back when the original trailer launched. And this trailer also looks pretty good. Um, so, we'll see. Fort Solus coming August 22nd. Wolong Fallen Dynasty's first expansion pa- uh, expansion DLC is available today, called Battle of Zhongyuan. So, if you want to check that out, uh, it looks like it adds a couple of new weapons, like bare fists. <laughs> um, and then also adds a couple of new characters and bosses, it looks like. Um, A lot of new enemies, too, that actually look pretty formidable. So they've actually... It looks like they've upped the difficulty in this game because the base game is relatively easy, in my opinion. Um, So, uh, yeah, if you want to check this out, it's available now. And uh, you can play it now, today. Four games are available for the Sega Genesis Mega Drive games on Nintendo Switch Online's Expansion Pack service. And they are... Ghouls and Ghosts, Crusader of Senti, Landstalker, and the Revenge of Shinobi. Revenge of the Shinobi is um, a 2D ninja game. You fight ninjas. Ghouls and Ghosts is, uh, I believe, the follow-up to Ghosts and Goblins or Gargoyle's Quest. Uh, Landstalker is a light-hearted treasure-hunting game It kind of reminds me of Zelda, the original Zelda's and Crusader of Senti is a like a, another kind of Zelda RPG kind of game, action RPG kind of game. Kind of reminds me of uh, the earlier Zelda games as well. So if you want to check those out, those are available right now on Nintendo's Online Service Expansion Pack. Here are your Xbox games with gold for July. From July 1st to the 31st, you can play Darkwood. I didn't like it, but I'm sure a lot of other people do. And between the 16th of July and August 15th, You can play a game called When the Past Was Around, which is a love story puzzle game, um, point-and-click adventure game. So if you want to check those out, they'll be available this month. PlayStation Plus games for July have been announced as well, and all these games will be making it onto the wheel once they are released, which should be pretty soon because Tuesday is next or this week, this coming week. So uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Alan Wake Remastered, and Endling Extinction is Forever all going to be available for PS5 and PS4, so you don't need to, don't need to worry about that. This was actually le- uh, leaked a couple days ahead of the announcement, of four, so the, the, the big reveal from PlayStation wasn't as grandiose. But um, three fairly good games, Alan Wake Remastered, great time to put that on the service because... You know the new games coming out. Endling Extinction is forever. It's one of those like two D uh, atmospheric games. Um, it looked really good. Never got around to playing it or buying it, so it's a good thing I didn't because now it's on PlayStation Plus. And Black Ops Cold War. Even though I bought that back in the day on sale, um, yeah, I never played through the campaign, but I've heard actually good things about the campaign, so uh, it does make me a bit, uh, bit interested. So this is actually a this is actually a W month. Um, last month was kind of lackluster, but this month pretty good, pretty good month. So if you want to check those out, they'll be available the first Tuesday of uh, July, which is the 4th of July. And finally for today, here are 10 games leaving the Xbox, I'm sorry, the PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium tiers. They are Saints Row, Gadda to Hell, Stray, Rogue Stormers, Marvel's Avengers, Bioshock 1, 2, and Infinite Remastered, Borderlands the Hampson Collection, Fluster Cluck, and Raiden Five Director's Cut. Actually, some big games leaving here: Borderlands, Bioshock, um, Saints Row, Stray, and of course, Avengers is leaving because that game's shutting down completely. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of hard to see some of these go from the lineup, you know? Um, and Stray was one of those games. I believe it was like a Day One on the service kind of game, right? So uh, they must have, uh, they must have been done with that. <laughs> they were like, okay, we're releasing on multiple platforms, so let's take it off of PlayStation Plus so people buy it money anyway thank you so much for listening to this episode of the ferris 64 podcast let me go ahead and jump into the guest, the song for today's episode of course if you give me the song's name or relatively close to the name and the game is from i'll give you a free super reaction on discord if you're on youtube i'll give you a heart and say good work okay so what's the song for this week play it right now All right, if you know that song, let me know in the comments or in the Discord. All right, well, if you want to check out anything else that I do, not only do I stream on Twitch Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturdays. Right now we're playing Darksiders 2. I also run a podcast called Film Freaks with a Z, or I co-host it with with a group of friends. The latest episode is about Rumble in the Bronx. If you want to check that out, that's available right now. Anything else I do is at Yami the Ferret, whether it be on Twitch, Twitter, uh, Tik, nah, not really TikTok, Instagram, not really Instagram. <laughs> I don't do much on those platforms. It's all at Yami the Ferret. If you want to follow me or check me out, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you all at the uh, in the next episode. I'll talk at you next week. I'm out of here. Bye bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include Nintendolife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.